0: all right welcome back to another episode of the blasters and blades podcast we're glad you came back uh we're 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 equally glad we didn't scare you away with our insanity So, uh, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Mr. Luke Barnett, introduce himself. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself to the listeners and uh, viewers who might not have heard of you?
1: Hi, I'm Luke T. Barnett. Uh, I'm the author of *Collect Core*, Half-Orc Saga*, and the Grouse and Jay* series, and many others that are popping around in my head that want to be put on paper. And uh, thank you, Jr. And I guess they're not here, but thank you for the other your other hosts for uh, serving our country.
0: Yeah, and uh, Seska has the uh, migraine. Sometimes we call those kids, but you know, she she was nice. She called it a migraine today, (laughs) and uh, so we've got that going on. And and this is. the recording time we have right after we scheduled all of our episodes that's when Nick's boss over at the uh, the boatyard he works at cuz he's a um, border patrol that's when they oh, changed the schedule so oh, so fun. we try to get them on weekends and for one offs when we can but yeah anyway they, they couldn't make it today but they miss you and they they I'm sure they're they're going to feel cheated that they didn't get to talk to you today but instead <laughs> we get to go to the next part of the introduction dear listener which is how we first found them so, we're in a lot of the same author groups. I think I first found you, Luke, through the Keystroke Mediums, Mediums podcast. Yeah, which I is think a, uh, four, four by and how to author podcast with uh, Josh A., Scott Moon, and so many other authors uh, as co hosts that it's hard to keep track.
1: <laughs> um,
0: and then I think we met in person at the 2018 50 Books to 20 or. 50 books to 20, oh, I don't know. The 50 books conference, whatever that is.
1: <laughs> no, I, I was actually, never, I've never gone to the conference yet. That's um, It's a way or is big- Or it 20 um, books to 50K? K. Yeah. Is it
0: 20 books to 50K?
1: 20 books to 50K. 50
0: books to 20K doesn't sound as good. No, so anyway, big. it's an author group <laughs> that uh, Craig Martel and uh, Michael Anderle started to uh, spread right. the, the knowledge and sort of congregate it all in the same place. But uh, right. apparently you didn't go to that conference, so maybe yeah. I met your doppelganger and you just didn't know he was there.
1: No, that could be. I have a twin out there somewhere. He went to my high school. So, <laughs>
0: weird. all right. So before we uh, before we get too deep, we have to do the religion question. We get to see if you uh, if you get to stay. Mm-hmm. So, oh, nice. Star Wars, oh. Star Trek, or Firefly?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> um, okay, if I have to choose, it's all of the above. Yeah, if I had to choose, I would have to say Star Wars it's just, I feel like it's uh, the more character centric. Um, but I love the other two series as well.
0: So, if there's character centric is what you like, is there a specific franchise that uh, that gives that to you better than those three that you think that you think of? Like if you're looking
1: as far as sci-fi, yeah. Uh not that I've not that I've actually Indulged in, no, I don't think so.
0: Okay, no. um, I sort of pick the the Star Wars, Star Trek, and Firefly because all of them exist in movie and book format, so it's sort of a win win. Oh, yeah, yeah, so that's oh, okay. let's try to do that. Um, so and because we're polytheistic,
1: Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, or the Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, because Game of Thrones, everybody dies, and I hate those stories, and I hate watching, yeah, H- the Grimdark movie. doesn't do it for yeah. me, yeah, no, I don't like Grimdark. And then um I can't stand the women in real time because they're bossy and overbearing and the guys are all wimps, so I don't like the series either. <laughs>
0: uh, did you read the books? Or was that your take from off. the Did you read the books or did you watch the Amazon movie or TV show? Uh, no, I,
1: I started reading the real time books. I made it for book one and started book two and just gave up. Um, Game of I Thrones. I watched the and... show, I
0: haven't read the books yet.
1: Yeah. I've heard the show's not very good compared to the books. Um, they always but say they
0: that I'm not a purist like that. There's plenty of times where I think that the books were as good, if not better. I mean, where the movie was as good, sometimes better than the movie yeah. at a minimum, you have to accept that they're different products. And like, I liked the star, yeah. uh, Troopers the movie better than I did the book as, as far as fiction goes. Now the book mm-hmm. is a political treatise of the thoughts of uh, Robert E. Heinlein or is it a Heinlein? I can't remember Robert Heinlein. Like if you look at it as a political treaty on his mm-hmm. worldview, it's entertaining and I read those kind of books. Like I've sat through meditations by Marcus Aurelius, but if you're looking at like fiction and you find him through the movie and you're like, Oh, this is a rip roaring action story. No, it's not. It's (laughs) mostly thinking about philosophy. Yeah. Like, you know, in that case, as far as entertainment purposes, that's purely enjoyment movie beat the book. If you're looking at academic enlightenment, I like a lot of the thought exercises he did in that book. I'd pick that one. So, you know, I'm I'm not a purist. I will say, that I did uh, before I got sucked into the first episode of Wheel of Time, I had to call a buddy of mine, uh, Jesse, who actually read the books. And I'm like, does he just hate men? Because all the women, <laughs> like you said, were overbearing and the men were were wimps. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 this is why. And there's this backstory about the males can't have magic because it was corrupted and they're trying to undo it. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. They should have put that in the dang series. But <laughs> you've know, you got an yeah. incomplete sort of yeah. vision
1: yeah i, um, I like I lord of the rings uh, i i didn't know i not know anything about it until i went and saw the movies the movies were great and then i went and read the book and it was hard to get through but like the further you get into it the greater the characters and the writing is just phenomenal um uh, but yeah i i love the series and the books but like you said they're different products uh and so i like the movies but not the same way i like the books
0: yeah I um I actually found Lord of the Rings through the Hobbit cartoon that was out back, I think it came out late seventies, early oh, eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go. Sorry, I had a little bit of a, a two legged interruption in the child variety. Sorry about that. I I'm trying hand. to remember to edit that out. So <laughs> we here at the Blasters and Blades are both uh, like both the Fantastical and the Scientific. Which was your first love? Sci-fi or fantasy?
1: Uh I don't know which was first, but my greatest love is fantasy uh i like i like sci-fi i like the the tech and um you know the uh, the science of it but i just love how in fantasy you can just take your time and, and enjoy the world and it's just more there's more there's not so much stuff that can get in the way of these characters interacting I mean, you can do that in sci-fi too but i just feel like it's more natural i like the natural feel of of fantasy better okay So
0: what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction? Was it reading a specific book, watching some movie show, cartoon, playing a game?
1: Um, I mean, if you count Mighty Mouse, that would probably be it. But uh, (laughs) beyond that, um, I I watched a lot of TV and movies and played video games. So um, Star Trek, uh, Trouble with Tribbles is the first uh, sci-fi series I remember seeing. and the next generation and Quantum Leap, I watched with my mom. Ooh, Leap I, Yeah, yeah, I love Quantum Leap. And then I, uh, which which interesting, he also started in Star Trek, so that that worked out. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, but then for uh, um, fantasy, it was always the video games because the video games are the great fantasy stories. You didn't see very very many good fantasy movies besides Willow. Um,
0: that was a good movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was a pretty cool movie. Um, but yeah that's uh so like final fantasy series secret of mana it uh, those just really fired my imagination
0: okay so how do uh what is it specifically about the speculative fiction umbrella genre so fantasy sci-fi horror etc that you, uh that you love
1: i think just the ability to go anywhere and do anything um you can go through any adventure you want without really endangering yourself um I love a good story and seeing characters accomplish what I never could. It just inspires me and excites me. And it's like, I don't know, just, it helps me to keep going.
0: Okay. That's a good answer. So how did the love of that, the, the inspirational story uh, transition into you writing your own stories in that space?
1: I think just wanting to do the same thing, like tell my own stories. Like uh, I I would have ideas for, um, current ips that would like, what if this happened what if things went this way uh so i wound up writing a lot of fan fictions when i was younger and then some of my own original works because i just came up with this idea like you know oh this would be cool if this happened and started making up my own characters playing D, that was a big influence too i forgot about that one um you know i would, we would play these DD games and i would like go home and i would write the story about my dd character uh, so um yeah, that's that's pretty much where how I transitioned into it. It just kind of came naturally as I as I took in all these stories.
0: So when you played D anD D, were you more often the game master, so you could set the stage and tell the stories, or the player character?
1: I was a terrible game master. The few times I tried it, <laughs> so I kept forgetting stuff. I I couldn't come up with answers. I couldn't think on my feet. No, I was terrible. And I was always I was always a player character, but I always came up with these okay. weird characters like half elf, half fairy, and. All these weird kind of combinations like what's happened and finally i just like got. i was just kind of like okay I'm, I'm done trying to do that stupid thing and i came up with like a, a half orc barbarian just a simple half orc barbarian and he wound up being the main character of my first book half orc series so did
0: what uh what's edition did you start playing was it three I started in second.
1: Or? no i started oh. in second yeah um and uh then third came around and D20 system and I played in third for a while until um I got married and she didn't really play. Um and I didn't really have time to go and play because I was spending all my time with her. And uh so that was the last time I played for years. I play I picked up fifth recently, um, but the game was not nearly as like I don't know, engaging as it was years ago because it was online, it was people I didn't know, and I don't know, I just wasn't engaged as much. Yeah, second second, second with uh, Thaco.
0: <laughs> yeah. So many authors will let their own real-life experiences influence the ways they tell stories. So were there any specific formidable moments you think that shaped you as a storyteller?
1: Um, I can't make a direct link, but I think I can say that my, when my parents divorced when I was four, uh, my dad's lived halfway across the country for most of my growing up. And um, I was often bullied and teased in school. And so I think that all that created in me like a desire for a sense of family, uh, healthy, edifying relationships that build each other up, Um, women who are strong but still feminine, men who are honorable and brave and um, seeing good come out on top and uh, people retain their integrity even though the entire world may come against them. They they still do what's right and do what's honorable and they succeed in that. And um, I just, I think that's what, influenced me to write the characters that I write. Okay. That's a good answer.
0: So transitioning from the writing side, let's talk about things from a fan angle. So have you gotten any cool fan art or had anybody cosplay your characters yet?
1: You know, I wish I was at home. I'm at my job right now, but um, because I have a, my first piece of fan art done by my son, he drew my gash character and it was just the coolest thing ever. It's just like little thing on paper and you just, I don't know. I folded I up. I kept it as a bookmark for my my book. It's just the coolest thing ever.
0: So how old is your son?
1: He's 13 now. He drew that when he was probably 11.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So, which uh, which book is Gash from? That character? He is, is from, from uh,
1: Half Orc saga, Half Orc Redemption. He's the main character. He's, his name is Gash Bloodaxe. So,
0: is that? Uh, no, obviously that's not what we're here to talk about. So, we'll, we'll just derail for a moment. But there. is that story then if you're if you're eleven, well then eleven, now thirteen year old was reading it, does that mean it's um, age appropriate for teenagers?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's there's some um blood and violence in it, but not not gory, not not an excessive amounts, and it's completely clean because I don't I don't take God's name of it out cuss, so there's none of that in there either. And there's no sex.
0: Okay. okay that uh, that just sounded like something about my own son's alley so i was like wait a minute let me see if that's age appropriate
1: because there yeah, are yeah.
0: some authors whose books i like and i think they'd even like the story but no way in hell they're reading it until they're older
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no so i read this yeah. i read this to both my boys um and they loved it that's awesome yeah so has
0: anyone ever asked for your autograph
1: yeah actually so i work for a um food distribution company and one of the drivers that delivers came in one day and handed me handed me my book. I said, Hey, can you sign my book? I'm like, Oh dude, you're awesome. It was like totally unexpected. That's cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So what was the first, was that the first time someone asked you for your signature?
1: Uh, first and only so far. Um, yeah.
0: So if somebody says, you know, that sounds cool. I'd like a signed copy of this book. Is there a way that they can do that on your um, website?
1: Uh, not on my website currently um, because I'm doing it myself. My website myself. and I'm not very good. At. But um, what they could do what is... if they emailed uh, you,
0: could they reach
1: out? Would that, yeah, would that be something can you can on Twitter, Facebook, any else locations, you know. Yeah, just shoot me an email. I'll be glad to send, send you one.
0: And for your books that are with Athan, since that's a, um independent publishing company, would they go through you for those signed ones, or would they reach out to Athan if they wanted That is a good. Of that? um I'll
1: have to find that out, but they can always reach out to me, and I'll I'll um, reach out to Athan. Okay. And
0: yeah. All right. So you've heard it here first, people. If you want the autograph, you could be lucky number two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So finally, what is the weirdest or funniest uh, story about an
1: interaction with the fans that you started writing? Uh, Not very weird or funny, but um, I texted that one driver I told you about. I texted him something the night before to tell him about his route. And he texted me back a, a phrase that was from my book. I didn't realize at the time. I was like, what, is he- what does this mean? I don't know. If and it comes in the next day and tells me about. It. I'm like, oh, that's right. That was for my book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, now you have a beta reader that works for your as a coworker. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put them to work. So this is where we talk about everything you have written. So you listed the the half work story mm-hmm. and the hyperspace outlaws, which is the go Galactic Core the galactic core series were there other books that you've written other series yet or were those the only ones that are out in print
1: but those are the only ones that aren't in print um i have written other things i started writing a um superhero high school series kind of like uh x-men evolution um i've written in a couple anthologies uh in the contact this anthology i put a story in there um and the ksm part uh, Reach anthology and i have okay. numerous stories and, nove- and novellas that i've written that i haven't put out yet but there's a couple of them that are available on my email list for free
0: okay well if you get with me uh me since we're done with the show I'll, I'll point you to some open calls and maybe you'll find a home for them so readers can read them
1: Oh, because that's, that's part
0: them. of the fun right we don't we don't just write because we want to write well we do but it also helps when people get to to read it right that's part of the oh, fun. yeah
1: yeah i don't have any of that so, i want people to read my stuff
0: Yeah, me too. (laughs) That's part of the fun is to hear them talk about it, even if they hate it, like telling me why. Like that can be sometimes a fun conversation. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Well, assuming everyone's respectful and, you know, a mature adult, which, you know, it's 2022. So that doesn't always happen. No. But (laughs) while uh, all of those sound fascinating, today we're here to talk about Hyperspace Outlaws, which is the first book, as you mentioned, in the Galactic Core series. So, where did you get the premise for this universe? How did you come up with the idea that became this series?
1: Uh, so multiple places so there's this, um there, there's some uh, fan films online for Star Trek versus Star Wars you know people just take scenes and match them oh. together and uh, they' some of them are pretty cool some of them are pretty cheesy but some of them are pretty cool um and I was like I want to do that you know like I can't actually do that but I can do something similar um and then I also like I wondered like what if you took samus Aaron from Metroid and put her in a Star Wars universe or what if you took Armitage the third put her in a Star Wars universe and I just started taking all these influences from all these different sci-fi um, media that I've had over the years, and just kind of like twisted them together into this cool c- series that I just thought was really neat. Um, and the Galaxy's Edge series by uh, Nick Cole and uh, Jason Anspach—awesome series. And um, I don't really read military sci-fi, but that was a really good. That's a really good series that I actually enjoyed. Um, and I even took inspiration from them. I actually wanted to write for them. Um, they politely said no, which is fine. You know, um, actually, I'm glad they did because that spawned me to write Galactic Core. Um, they, uh, they, you know, there's it's called Galaxy's Edge. I thought, okay, I don't want to just copy them, but they said that they they wanted to they wanted to play in the sand with their action figures. So basically, they wanted to make Star Wars but make Stormtroopers cool. So it's kind of like what I'm doing. Um, I just I took all these influences and just said, okay, I, I want to do it, but I want to do it this way. And so uh, that Galactic Core was born from all that.
0: Okay, um, so before we dig in, um, can we take a moment? We could talk about this cover. Yeah. So uh, I want to get that stuff out of the way, so they can see everything. So what is the origin story of this cover? Because I really like it. This is—it's kind of got a little bit of a psychedelic feeling. Gray scale. It reminds me a little bit of the um, certain group series, which we will. Um, I mean, there's definitely some influences. Yeah. Um, of other series, there I see a little bit of the Firefly with the uh, with the guy with the brown coat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what's the story of this this artwork? I really do like it.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to like it. Uh, um, so I I'm a very visual, so I designed the layout for this. Um, now the artist took that and you know went with his interpretation, which is fine um but the uh the psychedelic stuff is all him <laughs> i didn't do that but uh but uh yeah the um i wanted to go for that star wars uh eu kind of thing but then like i like my story's about the character so i wanted the characters in the cover um because that's what appeals to me um yeah. and uh, Ethan was kind enough to actually go with my vision for the first cover the second one they went to something else which is fine the second cover is awesome too it's just um different vision but um those are the three main protagonists. Um, uh, Lonnie is uh, Princess Lonnie, and um, is the girl with the with a pistol. And then the, the the guy is a Galactic Ranger. So he has a huge, he's like, like the duster trench coat type of thing, like the old Western. And then um, the snarky alien cat um, gun nut uh, <laughs> on there.
0: And that gun looks a little sharkish. I like it, but it does look like a shark.
1: Yeah, it does kind of look like a show. I didn't think about that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I just now saw that.
0: That's pretty sweet. And then you add his little his teeth. Like, I, I'm digging the cover. I really like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty sweet that's, cover.
0: Like I alluded to, it does have a little bit of the Guardians of the Galaxy vibe, too, which is also cool. Um,
1: yeah, I've heard yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Firefly, um, which are all both influences for the story, you know? Like, cool. uh, so, yeah, good.
0: Go so, moving on to the book itself, what would your 30 second
1: elevator pitch be for this? My 30 second elevator pitch holding a galaxy together ain't easy, especially when that galaxy's out to kill you. Doug Lancer's on the run. When the peacekeeping military known as the Federation and the law enforcing galactic rangers join forces, forming the galactic empire, things quickly go south, especially for anyone not on board. Hunted by his former brothers, Lancer is reduced to bounty hunting to survive. When his path crosses with an ex-Imperial fighter pilot fleeing the Empire, things get even worse. Can he stick to his convictions and oath as a Ranger, or will he fold under the pressure? And how can he and the band of outlaws he teams with hope to stand up to a galaxy-spanning empire, without getting blown to space debris? Blaster bolts and spaceships tear across the galaxy in hyperspace outlaws. Fans of Outlaw Star, Metroid, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars, and Galaxy's Edge series will love this romp through hyperspace on the trail of a few outlaws just trying to do right. Well, most of them. Okay. Probably a bit too fast.
0: <laughs> I like it. Okay. That was that was uh, more than 30 seconds. It was the blurb on the back, but I dig it. I cheat too. So, um, I was, yeah, I really do like the cover though.
1: Thanks. So yeah, I, I could we'll come go up with for it. A, a later pitch
0: that quick. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. You're good. Sorry. We're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. And I'm going to show this commercial interlude. In a world where magic is controlled by law and government, mages are both coddled and persecuted. Corey Monroe knows she isn't a mage, and her best friend is. Reality isn't always what you know. If you are looking for an urban fantasy with found family, an education-based magic system, and evolving storylines, try My Luck by Mel
1: Todd, book one in the Twisted Luck series. Available exclusively on Amazon. All right,
0: so uh, we appre- we appreciate you sticking with us through that uh, commercial interlude. That was much appreciated. Um, so I was trying to come up with during the commercial break something totally cool to uh, <laughs> to do for your for your thirty second elevator pitch. But yeah, I'm I'm not witty on the fly, so that's what Doc's Very for. So instead, I'm just going to ask you, what makes your series special?
1: I think it scratches that coolness factor that we like, uh, that we space and fantasy adventure fans get from all the sci-fi media we've enjoyed. Like you know, like like we mentioned before, Guardians of the Galaxy, Firefly, um, Outlaw Star. You know, all all this this cool space stuff that just makes, it like, yeah. <laughs> I think it scratches that, especially with uh, with uh, Disney kind of tanking. Star Wars. I think it's it's needed out there.
0: Yeah, the rule of cool is definitely important. So, it, would you call this more space opera, more hard sci-fi? Like, what? Um, how would you classify the story?
1: I would say. Yes, I'm space asking fiber.
0: you the subgenre question.
1: No, that's cool. Yeah, I'd say it's space opera, space fantasy, space western. It's definitely not hard sci-fi. There's no hard sci-fi in it. I mean, I I like I like um, I don't like hard sci-fi, but I like sci-fi with explanations to make it seem logical to make it make sense. But um I'm very much into the fantasy aspect of it.
0: So you want just enough hand wavium to make it believable so you can hang your hat and move on.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Okay. I, I can dig it. I when you get too technical and it starts to feel like I'm reading an FM manual, excuse me, a, a tactical manual. Tactical right. manual, I do tend to, to start skimming ahead. Yeah um, I just want to push the I believe button and then get to the cool stuff.
1: Yeah, so. yeah that's, that's basically what I'm to
0: do. So, what tropes do you feel like uh, hyperspace outlaws hits the best?
1: I'm not familiar with all the tropes, but uh space adventure, a misfit group of outlaws trying to save the galaxy, standing up for what's right no matter the cost, a snarky alien sidekick, gunslinger in space. That's that's what immediately comes to mind. Like I said, I'm not okay. sure I'll up on all the tropes. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I know they constantly add ones to the trope tvtropes.com or whatever that website is. So, yeah, yeah my third, I, I dig it a
1: trope in there. And I didn't even realize it was a trope, and I was asking my friends, like, Oh, yeah, it's a trope. I'm like, It is I'm like, okay, cool.
0: Some of it, if you read enough or you watch enough like fiction, you start to just internalize a lot of that structure and you yeah. don't even always realize it has a name. So, I remember the first time I took English Lit in college. And they're like, oh, this part of the story or that part of the story. And they're using the fancy names, which at this point escaped me again. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know it had a name. Okay, cool. And then you just move on. Because you just do it without thinking about it because it just becomes part of, you know. And you'll notice the the story structure type, like with uh, the three act versus the five act versus, you know, how some other nations tell their stories. You start to notice that more. But you don't always, like I said, you don't always know why it feels off or why you like it, why you don't sometimes. But it is, it's like you said, it's that you internalize so much of story structure.
1: And I do especially because I'm very intuitive in the way I do things. Like, uh, I don't know if this is a later question, but I, I kind of write by the seat of my pants. So I got to figure out the story as I'm writing it. And I can tell, I mean, I have, I've learned a lot, a lot about writing. And so when I go through the story as I'm writing it, I, so I'll i hit on something I else like, I, I automatically know that I need to set this up early in the story or this has to make sense this way or, you know, something like that. And it's that intuitive um, stuff that you're I'm hitting on those tropes, like you said, but not really realizing their tropes or what they are.
0: And tropes exist, and they're popular for a reason. So, like right. I said, if you if you read enough, you're going to encounter it. Will get to the point, and this isn't just because we're authors, because it also like it affects people who don't write but read a lot. You get to be to a certain point, and when you've read so much that nothing really surprises you anymore, and, and the ones that they do surprise you is because they gave a cheap twist at the end that they didn't set up. But if they do set it up, like. You know, it becomes pretty obvious. Like I can tell you when they're showing you in a mystery, for instance, this this um, suspect. Like based on where I am in the story, I'm like too early for him to be the guy. And you know, you just move on.
1: Yeah. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, the
0: the ones that always get me on those are the ones where it was the guy they started with the whole time. It was him the whole time.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And as
0: long as as long as you don't prove him innocent when you move on, like I, I'm totally down for it. Like those ones, ah, you got me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you you sort of internalize it. So. Because you your name is uh, Hyperspace Outlaw, uh, we normally ask the tech question a little bit later. But what kind of tech is in this book? I mean, like, do you use uh, wormholes, uh, FTL? Like, how do you move about through space?
1: Yeah. So um, since I'm combining a bunch of different genres, uh, I decided that there would be a, uh, some different technologies, um, and not not to go too too much into the lore. But um, in this particular galaxy, this takes place in. Uh, there is hyperspace it's unexplained hand waving type of thing i'll probably explain it later on because i I just like explaining things um but it's just basically like star wars you know go through hyperspace uh, faster than the speed of light um there's um um there's uh something called a jump drive which i made up um which is basically teleportation but it's very it's extremely expensive and extremely hard to calibrate and keep going so the characters keep running into problems trying to use it. Um, so there's those two. Uh, I think that's all right now, but uh there might be some coming later too. Okay. All right. So
0: now on to the story itself. So what can You're you tell asking us about, about your
1: space travel, right? You weren't asking about other technology.
0: No, no, we'll ask other technology later. Okay. I just I was curious about the space travel because of the name of the series yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. the name of the first book. So uh, onto the story itself. So it looks like based on the cover and you naming them that you've got three main characters. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So what can you tell us about them?
1: So um, Doug Lancer is a cowboy in space. So, you know, you have all these, um, these cowboy archetypes like Han Solo and Malcolm Reynolds, but they're not actual cowboys. Like what if we put an actual cowboy in space? So I made an actual cowboy. He's a, he's a, he's a galactic ranger, which is um, a lawkeeper across the galaxy. Uh, and kind of based on Texas Rangers. Um, But, and he's found himself like suddenly all of his comrades have turned turncoat and gone against what they swore. And so he's the only one standing up for what he swore to do. And um, they're all trying to hunt hunt him down. And then you've got Lonnie Tarasca, who is a princess, but also a fighter pilot um, and also a gun nut. Um, and uh, and also a mechanic. <laughs> she's like an all around person. Um, and she's running from the from the Empire. She was just in because she found out too much and uh, something the Empire is planning. And um, hooks up with Doug um, to help unravel the mystery. And then uh, there's Arch Attack, which is a alien species that's basically resembles a large house cat. The cover looks like he's a panther. He's not really a panther. Um, he's just a large house cat um and uh he's uh he's a snarky and he's uh just a a gun nut as well and um he almost didn't make it into the book um until i rewrote a scene uh and added them in there and but he's like a a great addition a great counterpoint to the other two who are honorable he's just like the smart mouth uh wisecracking kind of a jerk sometimes kind of (laughs) of character winds up being very honorable and he's got a couple of surprises in himself uh, as well so is he bipedal since you said he's
0: a large house cat or he is he can be, but he normally home.
1: walks around on all fours but he can do bipedal he he has opposable thumbs which most of his race does not have uh he actually has surgery to do that on on purpose because of his backstory um but he called he he's constantly calling the other two bipedals you lousy bipedals all
0: right so were there any i mean when you generally Sometimes, when you have so many main characters, not that three is necessarily that many, you don't always have room for the secondary characters to shine. Were there mm-hmm. any secondary characters in this book that are memorable to you that stand out?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, so, another set of characters is this Armored Core um, battalion or squad. So, basically, you take Galaxy's Edge, um, uh, that whole thing, and put it in this universe, and that's you got the Armored Core. Uh, so I made a squad of armored corps troopers, and uh, I wrote a short story. I think you actually read it. It was um, originally Galaxy's Edge fan fiction. I changed over to Galactic Core. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Beta uh, that. You're right. I remember.
1: Yeah, so uh, Q and uh, Bot are two of my favorite uh, secondary characters of the armored corps squad. Um, I won't spoil it for she, you. But they're just interesting characters. That-
0: that struck me more as Clone War troopers than it did Legionnaires oh, they're, they're from Galaxy's I Edge. Yeah, I, they, I mean they're similar. A, so get it. I mean they're similar, so I get it. But when I read it because of the tone you took wasn't as gritty. It, it, I was reading more like, you know, Clone Troopers as opposed to Legionnaires. But that's just a delivery style. It was still a good story. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. So no, I, I,
1: the, I probably would agree with you. Um, I've talked to Walt, Walt R- R- Robillard, and he was saying Robert that the model Latter- was there. With that story but he still liked it and i i, I get that because I, I haven't been in the military so you know my knowledge is limited and i don't like the dark i don't like getting too gritty like galaxy's edge does it's a little bit too far for me so that's probably why it came across that way
0: It was still good and i read all of it so i don't care
1: um, <laughs> awesome. thank you
0: so does your character or excuse me does your story have other than the you know the overarching bad guy of the empire federation at all Does there bad guys that they have to face without spoilers, Uh, obviously?
1: Yeah. um, So there are two, there's two main villains in the first book. And one of them is um, the, the Commodore and commander of the ship that Lonnie fled from, um, Commodore Ferris. And um, she's just a hard nosed military minded uh, woman who's uh, determined to um, shut Tarasca up, um, keep her secret. And then there's Drex, who is just the epitome of evil. Based, he was uh, inspired by um, Ridley from the Metroid series. And he's just an evil, evil creature. Uh, and I do something fun with Ferris in the third book um, that I didn't even expect to do. But um, yeah, uh, Drex is just, uh, is just a, an evil being that uh, is almost unstoppable.
0: So with the Space Ranger core thing you've got going on, did you name anybody Walker?
1: <laughs> no I didn't that's a Walking good idea Space Ranger. I should do that
0: make him a ginger of, with a beard
1: I've sort of seen in a later book where um, I introduced a character that's um, hints heavily at Doctor Who
0: oh that's awesome does he get a special screwdriver
1: uh, it's a she but yeah she does
0: well, that is awesome yeah. alright so uh, so you are a practitioner of all the sci-fi religions apparently why well, commit to just yeah. one right
1: Uh, Yeah, I haven't seen Babylon 5 yet. I've heard it's very good, but yeah, most of them, yeah. All right, what about Stargate? Yes, I've seen Stargate. I love the movie. The series was decent in parts. I haven't seen the whole series.
0: Oh, I love it. But I like campy and cheesy, too, so I'm I'm a little abnormal. All right, so speaking of characters, you know, as the author, we often do horrible things to the people we write about. So (laughs) if you meet yours in a back alley and they know who you are, and the hell you've put them through, how do you see that interaction playing out?
1: Depends on the character. Doug would just shake his head and tell me how how, um, disappointed he was in me. Uh, Lonnie would probably punch me in the face and the gut. Uh, Arch would probably just shoot me. Several times.
0: (laughs) You bring dishonor to your house. (laughs) You killed my entire planet.
1: (laughs) And there's some more. I'll kill you some more.
0: Yeah, I mean sometimes. Yeah. So, kill a few people—that's a tragedy. Destroy a planet—I mean, that's just a rounding error.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> it happens. Rounding error. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not?
0: I mean, with one billion, one hundred billion. Eh, okay. Um, do you actually show the destruction of the planet, a la Al Alderon, or do you just mention it in like in the back? It's happening in the background.
1: No, no, I mention it um, in a in the in the in uh. Arch's backstory. He mentions how his planet was firebomb. And um he has a couple of flashback scenes where it kind of describes vaguely the devastation. Um, but um nothing detailed. Um but the planet's still there, it's just fried. So
0: it didn't um get the Alderaan you know, smashed into a bazillion pieces. You got more of the covenant landing over reach and glassing the planet.
1: Yeah, pretty much, yeah.
0: OK, so now we get we're going to ask you for a sneak peek at how the sausage was made. So were there any cool scenes or ideas that you cut uh, from the final book that, you know, maybe you use someday or become something else? Um,
1: no, there are scenes in a future book I've done that with. But there is a short story that I um, wrote for the KSM anthology that was kind of the genesis for this whole thing, that um, because of the way the books have worked out, it's no longer canon. Um, but I went ahead and put it on my email list as a free short story um, just for some enjoyment to read. But it's uh, I took the characters from that and put them back into the main series because I just love them so much, but I can't use this short story anymore because the continuity doesn't make sense.
0: So would it be possible to rewrite that short story with just a few tweaks to make it canon again?
1: It probably would. And I probably will do that. I just wanted to have something out there for my, for my readers to be able to read. In addition to that, um, I, I have to figure out a way to do it. But, yeah, I'd have to completely rewrite it. I couldn't just tweak some scenes, unfortunately.
0: Okay. Well, that stinks. So there'd be too much. There's a lot. of You'd almost have to write it again. That's what you're almost.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could rewrite some scenes and kind of make it fit. But, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that needs to change in it.
0: Fair. So at least they can see the uh the origin point. Like they get to watch basically be like nah I don't, I don't say a rough draft because it was professionally edited and it was a good story, but like right. Mark yeah. one of the story and you're writing mark two kind of
1: thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it says like, like a genesis of it. So the beginning. So
0: what can you so finally what can you tell us about the universe itself? So in many series, at least the good ones, the worlds where the story is told is as much a character as the protagonist or antagonist. So can you give us a hint of what we can expect from this expansive world?
1: Yeah. So um, it's a galaxy. Uh, so it's a galaxy populated by humans and aliens. a lot like Star Wars, um, but this is a, this is a galaxy far, far away, but the humans came from earth and earth's mostly been forgotten um, because it's been 300 years. Uh, but they came there as a, a glitch in the new experimental hyperdrive that was on a colony ship. Um, and they don't—they don't know how they got there. They don't know how they got back. How to get back? And so they wound up populating this this galaxy, which is a ring galaxy. It's not a normal spiral galaxy. It's actually—I um, had a picture, uh, found a picture online of, of a galaxy that actually looks like this. It's actually like a, an oval, and it's a, it's a, in a strip, and it loops around. One one end is looped around uh, the bright galaxy center, like we have at the center of our galaxy, but it's only it's on the end, so it's kind of asymmetrical. And then there's like these weird nebulae in the middle, which I call the interference clouds. It's the mid-dark. So it's 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 like this mysterious weird space area right in the middle of the galaxy. Um
0: so what you're saying is as weird as it is, it's it could be real.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the shape of the galaxy at least could be real. And uh these um the it's called a galactic core, um, but there's no actual core. Like in the, in Star Wars and other galaxies that you have the places that are closest to the center of the, of the galaxy are the core worlds. And then you get out further to the edge and the things get a little bit worse, you know, and kind of like the ghetto. But here, there's no central centralized galaxy, it's just this ring. So the core worlds are the worlds that are um, most affluent, most vital to the, the um, uh, just the, the economic stability of the galaxy. And there's no ruling, there's no overarching ruling uh, force uh, council or anything like that in this galaxy. It's mostly um, uh, it's it's just each each system or world has their own government. the uh, The empire, which was the federation, um, is was just keeping peace, keeping from great wars breaking out. Um, and then the rangers were just enforcing laws and chasing down lawbreakers. Um. Uh, that um, that needed to. to be brought to justice in four different worlds and different systems
0: so obviously this is far out in the future uh, because this series isn't done yet right do you see at any time linking back to earth and, and having those two now disparate and um separately evolving entities like matching heads
1: oh yes uh i've already begun the process and this was this was long in the planning too I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to write another series that's more based on Star Trek, the next generation. Um, Cause I grew up with that show and uh, it's a lot I'll, about a miss, but um, the idea is, so I'll give a little background. Um, I don't know how much, how spoiler or not, but but the idea is that um, um, humans developed hyperspace technology. It went wrong. The colony ship disappeared, So they scrapped it and went with warp drive and while this galaxy wound up developing more of a Star Wars feel, our galaxy wound up more going towards a Star Trek feel. And so eventually, they're going to cross over, and already have to some minor degree. And they'll come together in a giant Star Wars versus Star Trek type of clash. But not Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Trek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. That sounds cool.
1: Yeah, so that, so... that's at the end of the series. Or at least the end of... The three trilogy, I don't know, somewhere in there, it's going to happen
0: <laughs> down the line. But no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm here for it. So, hyperspace outlaws is clearly part of the series. I know because it says so on Amazon, and you just mentioned there are currently three books out in the series. So, is their story done? Will there be more from these characters? And where do you see it going next? Obviously, you've expounded on the series after the series is finished, but where do you see this series itself going?
1: Um, so. There's another main villain that uh, isn't real in the first book, but he's, it's really the mastermind of it all. Um, and um, so there's, there's the three books out now, and then I'm writing the fourth book right now. And um, uh, like I said, I, I make it up as I go, so I'm not exactly sure what exactly is going to happen. I know the end goal, but I don't know what's going to happen in between. Um, but I'm going to write another trilogy. and then. I think at the end of the third trilogy is when they're gonna face off and maybe have that big Star Trek versus Star Wars clash. Um, but I'm introducing more characters, um, throwing in more uh, influences, and actually beyond the um, Star Trek versus Star Wars clash, I have plans for more stories involving more mm-hmm. sci-fi influences and um, bringing in more stuff and uh, other things happening. So I'm hoping to make it a, a big, expansive universe, kind of like a. Uh, uh, EU, used to be.
0: Okay. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the hyperspace and the, the space travel technology. Um, what other sorts of tech can we expect from these books? Or magic, since you mentioned Star Wars?
1: Yeah. So um, there's no force, because I think that's just too powerful. I think it's too OP. But there's, a, a, there's a, a, a phenomenon called the awareness, which only women get, certain women get. Um, get it Um, and there's no explanation for it as of yet but it's basically clairvoyance um but you can't use it to move objects or anything like that but you can just uh you can see into the future you can see through objects um but it's only visual it's not audio or anything like that there's also um lani tarasca is from a family line um that has an inherent power i won't spoil where they where they received it from but um she carries something called a singularity gun. And um, it amplifies her power. And it's actually very inspired by um, the caster gun from Outlaw Star. Um, But she can use that power to summon anything that's imbued with that power to her. Kind of like the Force, but it has to have that power already imbued in it. It can't just be like any object or whatever. So Um, is
0: this gun that's on the cover the Singularity gun?
1: Yeah, that's not how I imagine it. That just looks like a regular blaster pistol. But yeah, she does have a singularity gun. The way I envisioned it was this like silver kind of tube type of thing, all one piece. Um, but um, but yeah, that's supposed to be what she has. And um, it just lets out these, just depending on what shell goes into the gun, it can allow a different effect like um, made a, a wide energy blast, EMP, uh, a self collapsing black hole. Uh, Depends, like I said, depends on the shell. So, and that is all amplified by her, by her family's power.
0: Okay. So, of all the tech that you invented for this universe, which one would you want for your daily use?
1: Oh. Well, I couldn't have the awareness because I'm not a girl. Um, although awareness would be cool. I think I'd probably uh, I like the singularity gun, but. Um. It's just destructive, so I don't think i would ever be able to use it. Um, so I think that's that would be it. The, the singularity gun. There are there are also um, cyborgs, and um, uh, one character in the third book has um, bionics fused to her nervous system, which makes her slows down her aging, makes her faster, stronger, um, reaction times better. Um,
0: that sounds interesting. Yeah. So if you had that technology,
1: how would you abuse it in your daily life? <laughs> oh, I if I had the singularity, already gun, I'd probably go to the firing range a lot and just like, hey guys, look at this. <laughs> um oh, the awareness.
0: <laughs> that poor fire range officer, like oh, not again. It's him. I thought we banned him last month.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, did you want to ban me? What? The click. Uh just go on about your business. <laughs> um yeah, the awareness, I'd probably just, you know, avoid a lot of uncomfortable situations. Actually have the answer for people when they ask me something because I know what they're going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Or avoid and, them uh, if you
0: didn't want to answer it.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So you've
0: um, covered that your – oh, go ahead.
1: Co- no, no, I said – I was thinking.
0: So you've covered that your universe has aliens in it. Um so how do you go about creating them when you when you write them did you let um nature inspire you Were they you know creations of your nightmares did you make it up out of whole cloth like where did your where do your aliens come from
1: Uh different inspirations so architect um his race so his race are called the Akati and um they were partly inspired by uh I think her name is Asia from Galactic core. She's like a cat person, but it's different, different form. But, um, uh, I didn't, um, know about, I didn't, I wouldn't have something like that, but I didn't know what to have until I saw a picture online of this, uh, bipedal sapient cat holding, uh, dressed in like a rocket raccoon type of outfit holding this gigantic arm cannon. I was like, Oh, that's my character. And so um, that's where he came, his race came from. And then uh, uh, there was a, S- a Star Wars character, I don't know what her name is, it's a Jedi. Uh, she's got blue skin, she's a Twi'lek, blue skin Twi'lek. She gets shot down in like uh, Attack of the Clones, or maybe it's the third one, I think it's the third one. She gets shot down. But i always thought she looked really cool. And then if you play um, one of the video games, I can't remember what the video game it is, but you can, you can actually play her. She has a double lightsaber and she just comes in like swiping. I thought she looked really cool, and so I made a character, a race that kind of like her, except just instead of two tendrils, they have like several tendrils, um, and they're thinner. Um, other other races I just kind of made up on the fly. Um, shapeshifters, I love shapeshifters. Uh, I made up a race that's got um, shapeshifting skin. Uh, I made a guy who's like it's got a squid for a face, <laughs> just kind of random. Actually, just oh, this will look weird. Let's do that.
0: So did you add lightsabers since you mentioned them?
1: I did not because I don't want to copy Star Wars. I just want to take the coolness factor and twist it and make it my own, you know, uh, and, it's, and lightsabers are, you
0: couldn't call it a lightsaber. But. No,
1: no. Yeah. Energy sword. Energy sword. Um, I, I was tempted to, I was very tempted to, because lightsabers are just freaking awesome. Um, but no, I, I, I decided to steer away from that because I don't want to get too close to Star Wars. Um, Fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. So, go ahead. I can't remember what I was going to say, so go ahead.
0: It happens. So clearly this interview is winding down, but before we wrap up, was there anything about Hyperspace Outlaws or the Galactic Core series that we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell us?
1: Uh just that it's a fun adventure and the further you get into the books, the more characters you get to, it doesn't get overwhelming. Um, and all the influences don't get mashed up in a weird, doesn't make sense kind of way. I actually make sure it makes sense. And it's, it's actually a fun ride and you can read it and pick out things like, Oh, I didn't know where he got that from. It's it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Just kind of like throwing back to your, um, all the sci-fi that you love. Uh, and just enjoying it in that way and and, and like i said the further you get into the series you get you know the cooler the, the more influences the more characters the deeper the relationships and the deeper you get into these characters and their motivations and just i've had a lot of fun writing it and i'm going to continue to have fun writing it and i hope you have fun reading it
0: so last question because i'm a nerd like that so how did you design your spaceships when you'd like Discussing the aesthetic, do you describe what they look like? Because there's some pretty funny stories if you're a Star Wars fan about how they came up with the way the uh, Millennial fa- Millennium Falcon looks. So, did you do any of that when you were creating your your spaceships, or you sort of leave a little bit up to the imagination?
1: Uh, I leave it a lot to, a lot to the imagination because I'm really not very good at that. I I tried I tried to design Lonnie's ship. I couldn't really quite picture it. If I could draw it better, I probably would. The main ship, the Blue Moon. Um, which that's the artist's interpretation on the cover, but that's not how I quite how I imagined it. It's more of just a crescent, like a like a crescent moon shape. And I got the idea from the Ferengi ship on Star Trek because um, it's kind of shaped like that. And I thought that look was cool, so I just kind of modified that and made that the ship. And actually, um, he starts off in a different ship, which is basically a horseshoe shape, and it's just as Lonnie comments how ugly the ship is, It's like the ugliest thing she's ever seen. And but it just fits the cowboy motif. Fair,
0: fair. All right. So, um, are these available in audiobook for people that like to have their stories read to them?
1: Uh, not yet, but they are doing audio. Um, They've lined up a audiobook reader, and I, I imagine he's working on it now. I'm not sure yet, um, but um, there will be audio out as well. I don't think I don't know if it'll be out on the same time the ebook is out, but it will be out eventually. So watch for that.
0: So, um, how long are these books? What? Uh like what length of adventure are they getting when they buy your, your content?
1: Uh, they are, so the first two are around 80,000 words, which is, um, about, I believe that's about 10 hours on audible. I don't know how many pages that is. Um, the third book is probably half as long. I mean, one and a half times as long, so it's, it's a longer book. Um, and it's got a lot more story in it. So that'll be probably closer to 15 hours or whatever on Audible. It's I think it's. Trying to think, i think it's one hundred and fifteen thousand words so that's a much longer book
0: okay so the eighty thousand is pro- if you assume about 300 words a page we're looking at 267 pages uh depending on how they format in the font you can get anywhere between 250 and 500 pages or words a page but okay uh, but yeah so you're looking at at least 250 pages if, if that's how you think dear listener all right so before we let you go dear listener we'd like to remind you to please be kind and speak your mind On the reviewing platforms, your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your thing, people. And uh, if you want to go the extra above and beyond steps, start a blog and review it there. Hop over to Goodreads, BookBub, all the other places where fine ebooks can be purchased and and review it there. Um, You can check it out at the library. And if they don't have it, you can beg them to get it. That always helps. And uh, lastly, is this a book wide or is it uh, Amazon only?
1: It is Amazon only for now. Athon only produces through Amazon, um, but um, eventually I'd like to go wide. But, um, yeah, just Amazon for now.
0: Okay. So, Luke, uh, if people are interested and they want to know more about you, the man, the myth, the legend, how
1: can <laughs> listeners find you? Um, they can find me on um, on Facebook, Luke and Rose Barnett. Um, uh, Twitter, I'm not on there often, but I'll respond to messages, uh, at Bar Up Today. Uh, you can go to the website, LukeTBarnett.com. Uh, uh, you can always email me at, um, oh, let's see. My author email is, no, I can't remember. Um, it's it's author, author store. Hang on one second. It's author stories. We'll put it all
0: in the show notes, dear listener. We've got all of his contact information. Yeah. We'll put everything in the show notes and you can check him out there. We put him on the spot to remember all of the things. While he's in the middle of his work day, he's he's, uh, chatting with us on his lunch break, and we just lost him. But have no fear. We can still finish this show because you can find us, dear listener, on our Twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show. Twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. You can find us over on the email at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and podcast at gmail.com. Did you remember the uh, the contact information for your email? Otherwise, we'll just throw it in the show notes.
1: It's um author life with luke t barnett at gmail.com.
0: Well, there you go, people. Uh, and again, our email is blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen over at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. We have a website at anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on, people. And it is greatly appreciated, all of you who do support uh you know who you are all one of you uh you can support the show also mm-hmm. on buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley where f- we will um be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast and i will keep doc saska and nick garber duly intoxicated they will drink until their liver surrenders and if they were here they'd tell you their mamas didn't raise no raise no quitters and uh Money jokes aside, people, uh, we appreciate everything, even just sharing it, listening, and all the things matter. We're here to have fun, and we want to drag you into our insanity with us. And through your generosity for season one, you covered all of our overhead, and we couldn't ask for more. Um, So, you know, I'm just trying to be witty and pretty, and I failed at two of those. So maybe (laughs) next year it'll be our year. Uh, And in the meantime... Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom.